You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. you got to check that site out. And don't forget about our Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast as well. You can find that on LandryFootball.com or you can just Google Locked On Sports. And if you need to, and you should, go to whatever platform you like to download podcasts and just Google Locked On SEC Football. Search Locked On Big Ten Football. Subscribe, and it'll be there waiting for you every day, and you will be a smarter football fan. I can guarantee you that. All right, we've got a lot to get to on the program today. We'll go to the big lead. We'll also go uh, around the country. A recruiting report talks about four-star 2020 athlete Christian Story. I know he's created an awful lot of buzz. We'll also have a scouting spotlight. We'll take a look at Florida's offense as well. And we start with the Gators. Florida redshirt senior linebacker Rashad Jackson enters the transfer portal. And uh, Florida redshirt senior linebacker uh, Keelan Johnson transferred to Pitt. Also, want to mention sophomore cornerback Kelvin Joseph refuted a report that he was removing his name from the transfer portal. What in the world is going on in Gainesville? Please tell me, Chris. Well, first of all, let's just attack the Kelvin Joseph issue first at LSU and that, you know, we talked about he put that he was going into transfer portal. His dad was quoted as saying, no, he's not leaving LSU. He's staying there. Well, the kid comes back the next day and says, oh, oh, I am leaving. And uh, the report about me not leaving is uh, not true. I am leaving. And uh, I'm making this decision without my dad, without, te- without telling my dad, without telling Coach Orgeron. So here's what we know. We <laughs> don't know what, what the hell's going on with Calvin Joseph. So here's the bottom line is, I, I guess, uh, to be determined, He's a talented young guy. Obviously, he's not real happy with something that's going on at LSU. Um, we know that now that uh, Ed Ogeron is certainly aware that he wants to leave and he's put his name in the portal. And his dad now knows, apparently, if nothing else, he's he's read it on Twitter or he's heard about it. Um, we'll see where this leads. But to this point, we don't know if he's staying or going because you're in the portal. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stay in the portal. You can come out. Uh, and he is talented enough to where LSU is not going to revoke his scholarship. So we'll see how this plays out. As far as the two Florida kids, uh, Rayshad Jackson, he's entered the portal. It, it's more of a depth issue. Uh, they did lose Keelan Johnson as well, who's since transferred to Pitt. Um, we'll see where Jackson, um, um, you know, ends up. These are not starters, but these are pivotal special teams guys in a really good depth issue. So, you know, these are things that people may look at, Dave, on the surface and say, no big deal. And, you know, when you look at the talent in, in terms of their recruiting, there's some young guys that could step up, but they're going to have to now. As you have some attrition, naturally, you don't have some guys that have been in the program. So uh, is it a major issue? No. But it is a is it a completely a nothing issue? No, that's incorrect as well. I think this affects their depth, and we'll see how this plays out. I want to go back to Kelvin Joseph for a mm-hmm. second because I know how the recruiting game has played. But right now it sounds like the young man, and I guess I'm empathizing a little bit, doesn't know who to trust. Doesn't trust his head coach, may not trust his dad. It just feels like he could use some guidance. Well, perhaps um, here's my take on it and my sense of what's going on. 
you know, he's not happy that they've got a true freshman that's enrolled early that is kind of beating him out at this point for the job. Now, it's not like, hey, Stingley is the starter and that's the way it is. I mean, this is open up for competition, but I think he looked at it as this is his job. Uh, one of those starting corner spots was his job, and he feels like, you know, maybe it's not now, and maybe they haven't indicated to him definitely that's his job. Well, you know, young man, that's that's kind of how this works. You got to prove it. You got to prove it every day, and I think that is going to be determined whether he starts or whether he's in nickel or his role is going to be determined on how well he performs in practice if he continues to stay with, with LSU. There's something that just hadn't quite set right with him in terms of with his coaches or his role or his feeling. And therefore, you know, and maybe there's some little personal element to it. Uh, I don't sense a Chris Steele situation, but uh, maybe there's something there. Uh, th- there's always, when you peel back the onion, there are different layers. Uh, I-, I think that if I had to guess that cooler heads will prevail, that he probably doesn't want his dad speaking for him. You know, maybe um, I don't know why the dad would have spoken. I, I think this is a mistake. I don't, I don't think it's ever good for the dad. I mean, media people may reach out to you and, uh, you know, people that cover recruiting uh, often keep hold of the information and contact the parents. It's not a good thing for the dad to come on and say, he's not going anywhere. I, you know, I, I think you sit there and say, I, listen, I have no comment. Talk to your, your son and figure out what's going on. So I don't know exactly what's going on in that relationship. I don't think it's so far gone that it can't, the relationship can't be rectified, but I do think there's something that's got the kid unhappy and we'll see where it takes them, where it takes them right back, you know, to campus and competing or somewhere else in the transfer portal. This transfer portal is a, an avenue for any player. And this is what I tried to explain to a lot of folks in the media that always told me, kids should be afraid to move anytime they want. Listen, they're kids, and I'm telling you, they want to quit at the first sign of adversity, at the first sign of anything. Any distra- they, they just don't want to stick to anything. And I think that's what this transfer portal is doing. It's, cr- it's giving a bad message to the kid. When the going gets tough, quit and go somewhere else where it's easy. Well, what a great life lesson. Yeah, a great, you know, good luck getting in that your job, right, Dave, where things are not going well and you're going to sit there and quit. And you got, you know, a wife and two kids and you're going to quit every time something doesn't go right in the office. You better learn how to prepare for it. And I'm not talking about Kelvin per se. I'm talking about in general. I think kids should have the right to move when there's a legitimate reason for it. Somebody wants to move closer to home. They got an illness in the family. It's a well-thought-out, mature decision. That's fine. Uh, If legitimately they don't feel like they're fitting in, maybe a, a different philosophical approach. New coaching staff, I'm a better fit in a different system. Again, uh, legitimate thoughts. But what we're seeing now is I didn't win the job. I'm going somewhere else where I can get the job. It is, hey, you told me how great I was in recruiting. Now I want to be told how great I am here. And if I'm not, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I think there's an intoxication with being recruited with a lot of these guys. They love being recruited more than they like 
performing once they sign where they go. And I think that's happening a lot, and I think to the detriment of the young man into college football. And I think we need to watch what we're doing and who we give immediate eligibility to because I don't think they should have the freedom to just pick up and leave willy-nilly. I think there need to be legitimate reasons. And again, the unintended consequences of a a well-mean rule that just wasn't thought out well is causing some problems. Yep, uh, well said. And it would be another thing if he's a quarterback. I mean, LSU's going to play six, eight, ten defensive backs. So, speaking of quarterbacks, we'll go around the country. It's North Carolina. What do you make of the Tar Heels quarterback situation? Well, you know, Mac Brown was recently quoted as saying, "Hey, Sam Howell, they're, they're true freshman quarterback. Remember, he was headed to Florida State till Mac got the job at North Carolina, and he kept the young kid, the North Carolina kid." Uh, at, at home and got him to, to go with the Tar Heels. And Mac has, of course, Mac is always a salesman. He's always selling. Uh, and, and he's selling to the meaties. He's selling kids. He's saying he sees some Baker Mayfield in the kid. Well, I think there's some comparison oh. in terms of a, of a size. Uh, I'm not ready to put Sam in that case, but he's definitely a gunslinger. And he's definitely an intriguing young guy that I have got him on my checklist of let's look out for a freshman that could have an impact. Uh, we'll see. Um, the redshirt freshman, Jace Reuter, it doesn't have a lot of uh, experience. Neither does Cade Fortin, who may both saw some action in 2018. We'll see how this plays out in August. But remember the name Sam Howell. I think he's the future at North Carolina at quarterback, and, and we'll see. Um, you know, I think that uh, – with this air raid system coming in with Phil Longo, uh, we'll see who can pick that up quickly. It's quarterback friendly. So maybe they're going to figure out how to get him in the game. He's definitely a little bit more physically gifted than the others. And the others, again, do not have a lot of playing experience, a lot of reps. So maybe that won't be as big of a factor. So that's going to be a fun watch in, uh, in August. Coming up, a young man who is considering, well, just about everybody. Uh, Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, Tennessee, and Texas A&M, an athlete that you need to know about. It'll be a recruiting report next with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. This is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is time for your recruiting report. It is a four-star 2020 athlete, Christian Story. He's going to announce his college choice on his birthday, October the 5th. We'll certainly wait and see if that changes. They tend to. But you just look at his list of schools, and boy, he's, he's one of those guys that can uh, choose which path he would like to uh, like to head on. Yeah, you know, he's um, he's played quarterback. He's played. He's capable of playing receiver athletically. He's 6'2", 200 pounds, and he can play in the secondary. Very bright, very athletic, very nimble. Um, now, A&M likes him as a quarterback and have told him that. They're going to host him on June 7th. Um, Notre Dame sees him as a guy that can be a corner, maybe safety for them. He's going to visit them uh, later in June. And, you know, uh, certainly Alabama, LSU, A&M, Tennessee, um, along with Notre Dame's in the picture, uh, Florida and Georgia Tech are other schools that he has some interest in visiting. He's a really bright kid, good student, and, and again, a very cerebral athlete that um, that has really good quickness. And I'm excited to see where it goes. He is, a, I think, a red-grade player, a, a four-star guy 
that is going to have an impact. And uh, where, where that impact is, which position and which school, not sure yet. I don't see him as a leader. It doesn't sound like, hey, he wants to, hey, just play quarterback. So if you offer him at quarterback, does that mean A&M's got a, a better shot? Perhaps, but I don't get the sense that that's the biggest issue right now. We'll see how this plays out really early. I think we'll have an update on LandryFootball.com and right here on the podcast. As he takes his visits, maybe we'll start to get a little bit of a lean out of him on where he might be leaning. So we'll see how this plays out after his uh, A&M and Notre Dame visits this uh, coming month of June. Let's go to the film room. If I'm a Florida fan, man, I've really enjoyed the majority of Florida's offense over the past uh, 25 or so years. You had Spurrier, you had Urban Meyer, both uh, way ahead of their game. But as we step inside the film room, what do you think Dan Mullen uh, brings to to Gainesville? Leadership, a an offense that is quarterback friendly, that uh, can find a way to minimize the inconsistency, minimize the negative plays, and accentuate what you can do well, be it athletic qualities, uh, the run-pass option in the pass game, uh, and protecting the football a little bit better. I think he's done wonders with Felipe Franks. It was an inconsistent offense last year, quite frankly. Um, A couple of things jump out at me when I look at Florida, and I kind of did my film work uh, in the spring and we've got the full breakdown on LandryFootball.com. And my, okay. Where's the offensive line in, in terms of rebuilding? They got four of the five starters are gone. Uh, Jawan Taylor is the biggest loss. He's outstanding, but they've got a pretty good group that had some experience. Uh, Nick Buchanan comes back at center, uh, stone foresight and, uh, backed up uh, at left tackle, backed up Martez Ivy a couple of years ago. They've got a good junior in John Delance, um, and we'll see if he can handle the right tackle spot. Uh, that's going to be key. I like the backfield. Uh, I think that they've got some experienced and quality backs that can hit the hole hard and make you miss, get skinny in the hole. Now, Michael Perrine, Davis, Pierce are all very capable. Now, can Felipe Franks take his game to the next level? Can he, the raw tools we know are there. He's big. You know, I've always thought of him as a little mechanical and slow, but quite frankly, once he gets in, but in, in, in the pocket, I think he is. But when he gets running, he moves pretty well. He's got the arm. I don't like his ability to place the ball. I think he's not consistently accurate. Um, but Dan did a great job with him, the protect, teaching him how to protect the football. No interceptions the last five games, just through six on the year. So that's important. You can't lose the game from the quarterback position, and then he's going to have to maybe make a couple plays each game with his legs or with his arm that can be a difference maker. Now, um, something happens to him or he starts to revert back into making mistakes. Do they go to Emory Jones, who's a different type of guy, who's a playmaker, now, Dan does a really good job with quarterbacks because he can take a Fleepy Franks and work the passing game to his strength. He can take an Emory Jones, who's a playmaker with his feet, and put him in a situation to be successful. And he doesn't change the offense. He's just got different pockets of the offense in which he can do a little bit more of this for this guy and then go in reverse field with the other guy. Kyle Trask is a decent third option that uh, I don't think they 
they'd be adverse to having to turn to, but ideally that's not where they want to go. I like the receiving core. I think Van Jefferson is really good. I think that Tremont Grimes can be an effective outside receiver. And then guys like Tyree Cleveland and Josh Hammond and Freddie Swain are all potential playmakers. So they've got the ability to get the ball in the hands of some playmakers. Screen game. Um, the orbit sweeps. Um, you know, you've got to be able to work vertically to allow yourself to run the football. So they've got, I think, some good pieces on the offense. But it's going to be about, you know, key is Felipe Franks. Can he become a little more consistent and, and make a few more plays without being too risky and turning it over? Um, who's going to step up on the offensive line? I think Stone Forsythe is a key guy that I've got most concerns about as to whether he can get it done. And then I think, you know, the, the Van Jefferson and Hammond at receiver. And then obviously, who's going to step up with P. Ryan? Is it going to be Damian Pierce? You want to have two, three backs. And I think they've got two or three that are capable. But who's going to step up? Is it going to be Pierce? Is it going to be Malik Davis? We'll see how it plays out. So I think this offense can be pretty effective. Does it have the overall playmaking ability? Um, am I as comfortable at the quarterback position as I am at Florida or Georgia? I am not. Uh, but I still think they've got playmakers. And with Dan's ability to be creative and to accentuate the positives and mitigate the negative qualities, I think they can be pretty good. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, if we totally run across the uh, SEC, the Southeast, and we're going to go to Oxford after that film room look at Florida's offense. It's a scouting spotlight on Ole Miss senior defensive tackle Benito Jones and Ole Miss freshman running back Snoop Connor. You know, Benito Jones is a really key cog to their defensive front. He's 6'2", he's 315. Uh, he's had nine tackles for loss last year. He can penetrate. So he can push the pocket. And, you know, he's really strong at the point of attack against the run. And so I, I think he's really the key guy up front. It's where it starts. It's where good defenses start is up front. And I think he's a good guy that can be very effective. Now, the play around him um, is going to be interesting and, and key to what they can do defensively. But I think they've got a stalwart there that they can play around in Benito Jones. So he's impressive. And uh, the, the more and more I study him on tape, the more I like him. Now, I, I think that the running back situation at Ole Miss um, has got pretty good depth and pretty good quality. I, I think Scotty Phillips is a quality guy. Um, I think Isaiah Willard is, is, is got some qualities. But I do think Snoop Connor uh, is, is somebody that can fit into the rotation somehow, some way. I thought he had a really good spring. Uh, I think he's got good vision. I think he's got good quickness inside. And I think he's got good quickness to the corner. So I'm curious to see how they work him in and whether he can earn those reps in the fall. But I think for, for Ole Miss to be successful, obviously they're replacing a lot of receivers. They've got to work a lot of, in the short passing game. And so a guy like Snoop, as well as Willard, as well as Phillips, are going to have to not only tilt the rock, but they're going to have to catch the ball and make some plays with it um, after the catch. All righty. That's our Locked On SEC Football Podcast. 
He is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. If you haven't checked out that site, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. And don't forget about the Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast. It's a daily podcast, and we will join you uh, each and every Monday through Friday. So have a fantastic day, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow.